Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word tonight? All right. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Uh, we left off last week uh, reading in Acts chapter 8. So I thought we would pick up here in Acts chapter 9 tonight in the continuing story. And this isn't a Bible account about how the Apostle Paul uh, was on his road to Damascus. That's a, a, you know, a very familiar saying to people who have been in church or reading the Word or have studied the Gospels and studied the book of Acts for any period of time. Then you know that Saul of Tarsus... This guy was, was really a bad guy. He was not just a sinner. Saul of Tarsus was a man who had been educated in how to argue against Jesus, how to argue against the church, how to argue against you know, a, a, a believing in the Messiah that he was here. And uh, here he, he was good at what he did. He was a young man who, uh, you know, when Stephen, the deacon, as we mentioned last week, whenever he was stoned you know, for believing in Jesus, the Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul, held the coats of those who threw the rocks at him. You know, he was all for this stamping out the church and, and you know, stopping Christianity. You know? He was all for uh, this, uh, you know, uh, trying to make it hard on people to live a life according to their faith in Jesus Christ. And so he got some letters and some authorization. He was deputized, as it was, on, on, on behalf of the high court of Israel to go to Damascus. He left Jerusalem. He was on his way to Damascus, just outside the city. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. Just outside the city, as he was on his way to search out and find Jews who believed in Jesus. And he had authority to arrest them. He had authority to bring them in chains back to Jerusalem to stand trial. And he already had a history of being a witness against them. How could he be a witness against them? Well, it seems as though in that day that people like the Apostle Paul who were trying to find out who the Christians were, sometimes they might act like a Christian, sometimes they might try to get into the group, and then they would get into a prayer meeting just like they do in some other countries today, like they do in China, for example. Uh, that's one of the places in which it's really, you know... Uh, evangelism is against the law. They have anti-evangelism laws. And at one point, you know, a, a, a group from our church, uh, in fact, more than once, uh, we have, you know, smuggled Bibles into China to the home group leaders, but having to be very, very watchful because if you ended up, you know, revealing your contacts there, they might be followed home and somebody get into the church and then they would see who all the people in the home church were and then they would begin to persecute them. You know, uh, Crystal went with us, you know, one year and then Crystal also moved back to China for, you know, a year or two and taught. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just what happens in some countries. North Korea is another one that you have to be very, very watchful because of the persecution 
persecution that goes on if you happen to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, there are anti-evangelism laws in Russia now. Uh, you know, many countries uh, make it against the law. When, whenever we travel to India, you know, it is necessary that, that we be very conscious of the anti-evangelism laws because converting anyone is against the law and is punishable, greatly punishable. Organizations, you know, uh, something on the line of 25 or 28,000 organizations had their bank accounts closed and kicked out of the country in India just in the last, uh, well, actually that was in one year's time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, these, these anti-evangelism and anti-Christian and anti-church movements around the world don't think that they died after the first century. They didn't. And in the first century, they were very prolific. And Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9 was one of the ones that was involved in investigating churches, investigating meetings in which Jews might attend and that Jesus might be preached as Messiah and that someone might believe it because if he could get into one of those and could find it going on he had the authority to arrest them put them in chains drag them back to Jerusalem incarcerate them adjudicate them and he would stand as witness against them and he would vote to see them even executed wow uh, that's his history and he was on his way to Damascus to do it again. And when he got close to Damascus, Acts chapter 9 tells us that a great light shined from heaven upon him. And those that were traveling with him, and they just were all, you know, they, they just all fell out. And he heard a voice from heaven calling his name and said, Saul, Saul. And he recognized this voice by some spiritual intuition by some revelation, and he said, uh, you know, yes, yes, Lord, and the voice was Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, you know, uh, why are you persecuting me? You know, Jesus took it personal that Saul was persecuting the church. Jesus took it personal that Saul was persecuting believers. Why are you persecuting me? Don't you know it's very hard to try to kick against those sharp points at the end of those cattle prods, you know? I mean, all you're doing is injuring yourself. All you're doing is hurting yourself, Saul, is what he was saying. You can't stop this. And so he said, listen, Saul, the voice told him, go into the city, into Damascus, and you'll be told what you should do. And so Saul, being blinded by this light, was led into Damascus, and there he was in a house for three days. And he, he, he was praying, but he, he, he wasn't eating or drinking. He couldn't see. And uh, the Lord was dealing with a man named Ananias. For three days, the Lord dealt with this man named Ananias, who was a believer in Jesus Christ, saying, I want you to go over there, and I want you to, to tell the apostle Paul, you know, tell Saul of Tarsus, who was not the apostle Paul yet, tell Saul of Tarsus, you know, about me. And Ananias is going, no, no way. I know why this man came. I know what he does. I know he tries to sneak into meetings. I know he drags people off. I know that he, you know, has people executed. 
<laughs> I don't want to go. And so for three days, the Spirit of God dealt with Ananias, and he said, Ananias, Saul has already seen a man named Ananias. Saul, I gave Saul a vision. I showed him in a vision a man named Ananias coming and praying for him. Now go over there. Everything's going to be okay. I am going to reveal myself to him, and I'm going to show him the things that he must suffer in order to take the gospel that he once fought against, in order for him to take it around the world. And so Ananias finally agreed after three days and went and, uh, because he was afraid. And he prayed for Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord that you saw on the road, you know, sent me here, you know, you know, be healed. He received his sight. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and he was uh, uh, believed and he was baptized in water. And then he began to preach. He began to preach Jesus. Wow. Now, the story is we're going to continue it tonight. This Bible story is going to allow us to survey what went on in this moment. And it's going to teach us three important principles. Let me tell you the principles we're going to learn tonight. The first principle we're going to learn tonight from this account that we'll read in just a moment is that truth is not determined by a show of hands. Truth is not determined by a show of hands. Okay? We'll learn that in this story tonight. The second principle uh, that we're going to learn is that some people, even good people, cause trouble everywhere they go. Boy, yeah. That'll make a little more sense later. You ever met somebody that just trouble followed them around? Yeah. Uh, number three, another principle we'll learn tonight, and these are not exhaustive by any means. They're not the only principles contain this story, but they're enough for us tonight. The third principle is this is not the day to die. So if you're thinking about quitting, this is not the day. Okay. You're thinking about giving up. If you're thinking about dying, this is not the day. All right. Well, um, as I said, Saul, he had a conversion experience. We'll pick that up in, in Acts chapter 9, reading from the New King James Version, in verse 19. Um, he had gotten born again, filled with the Spirit, water baptized, and he hadn't eaten in three days. And verse 19 says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? You know, they were right. Yes, it is him. But Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt at Damascus. He proved that this Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one, is the Messiah, is the Christos. Verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. <laughs> okay. He had been their star. 
He had been, you know, their up and coming bright new, you know, uh, shooting star here. Now, you know, that doesn't sound very friendly to me that you're, you know, you're a friend when I do, you know, when, when I please you and when I don't, you want to kill me. You know, uh, that's, that's uh, you know, some folks are that way. After many days were passed. How many days? Well, we'll find out in a minute. But you know, evidently, uh, Saul of Tarsus really aggravated and annoyed people. And here he's annoying the Jews because he's preaching Jesus is the Christ. And they thought he had come to arrest people like him. Verse 24. But their plot, their plot to kill him. They, they plotted to kill him. Okay? Now they decided somewhere they took a vote, no doubt. Somewhere a group of people got together and decided and then they made a plan. They didn't just decide. They sat down and plotted. They planned, how are we going to do this? How are we going to kill him? We're going to kill him. You know, it wouldn't be the last time that they planned on how to kill him. You remember 40 men took an oath that they wouldn't ever eat again until they had killed him. You know, when he was uh, arrested in Jerusalem and later taken to Caesarea by night by a bunch of soldiers. And here, uh, their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They were waiting on him. As soon as he steps out the gate, we're going to kill him. We're going to get him out of the city and we're going to kill him. That's our plan. And they're waiting and they waited and they watched day and night. I mean, they didn't just have a plan. They were executing this plan. They were in the middle of this thing. They were serious. They were going to kill him and kill him dead. <laughs> but Saul heard about it. Verse 25, then the disciples who were at Damascus took Saul by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. <laughs> now they're watching the gate, but they weren't watching all the windows. You know, uh, because houses were on the wall of the city around Damascus, you know, and they evidently went up to one of these openings in the wall called a window or perhaps a window of someone's house. And they got a big basket and they got a rope and they let him down the wall so he could run off into the nighttime. Yeah. So Saul, think about this. Now Saul had left Jerusalem with papers from the high priest with authority deputized he left Jerusalem going to Damascus to find believers in Jesus so he could arrest them put them in chains and drag them back if they said Jesus was Messiah he carried written authority to put these believers you know to torture them to make them confess and to even have them executed you know Saul uh, was often the star witness, as I said earlier. He was often the star witness of the prosecution. Acts 26.10 tells us that. Uh, he's, this is Paul's own confession. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I mean, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. Okay. He was a bad dude. Saul of Tarsus was not to be trusted by believers. So, I mean, he had a life change, but come on now. Uh, he was born again, and 
He was spirit-filled, but here he has been in Damascus, and he has to run off from Damascus. Many people believe he went into Arabia, which is basically northern Syria right there where the uh, Transjordanian line is between Syria and Jordan and, you know, uh, southern Syria, northern Jordan, that area of Arabia. Many people believe he went there. They don't even know why he went there. But he went there for a little while, and then evidently he went back to Damascus. And he started preaching again and teaching again. He's left Jerusalem, going to persecute Christians. And after many days, how many days? Three years. It's three years before Paul gets back to Jerusalem. It's three years after his born-again experience before he comes back into Jerusalem. You know, he has to, he has to leave, you know, Damascus because people want to kill him. And in Galatians 1.18, Paul tells us, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for 15 days. Three years later, he goes to Jerusalem after he's saved. Three years later, because he did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He did what he believed God had called him to do. But, but, but three years later, here uh, in Acts 9, the next verse, there's, there's three years between verse 25 and 26 in Acts chapter 9. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and they did not believe he was a disciple. Isn't that something? He had gone, he had left Jerusalem. I'm going to go arrest Christians. He gets to Damascus. He gets saved. He starts preaching. He goes into Arabia. He comes back. And and basically after three years, he's already irritated so many people because he's not arresting Christians. He is getting people to become Christians. And so... The Jews couldn't stand it anymore, so they decide they're going to kill him, and they get a plan together, and they're watching, and Saul finds out about it, and he gets some of his disciple friends, some Christian friends, to let him down in a basket, and you know, nameless, faceless people doing the work of God that we never get to congratulate, and he gets down, in the, you know, down and, he take, and he goes to Jerusalem, and when he gets to Jerusalem, he tries to go to church, and the church won't even let him in. Why? They don't trust him. Why? Because this guy left here a sinner. And we know the tactics of these people. We know they just try to infiltrate groups so that they can find Jews who believe in Jesus. And so the disciples said, no, we're not. You know, it seems to me, you know, I I suppose Peter and James, because those are the two that he's talking about. We find out later when when we're studying the whole account that Peter and James were the people that he went to see that he saw while he was in Jerusalem on his first account. Evidently, they weren't very spiritually discerning. It's hard to imagine that Peter and James weren't really discerning, that here they have the apostle Paul in front of them, and he spent three years preaching in Damascus, and people are wanting to kill him for the gospel, and what happens? They won't even let him in. Wow. Yeah, they were missing this one. So how did he get in? Barnabas, Barnabas, the Bible says in verse 27, took him and brought him to the apostles. You know, isn't it great to have somebody with influence vouch for you? 
Barnabas, you know, the brother of Mary, where they were having the prayer meeting in Acts chapter 12. Uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 5. Barnabas, who was a well-respected, older leader in the church, he knew what had gone on in Damascus. He took Saul of Tarsus, and he took him to the disciples, to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, what had actually happened. He, he, he vouched for Paul here and gave his testimony and how... That, uh, that Jesus had spoken to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus and how that Saul had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So then somebody vouched for him. They let him in. So he was with the disciples then at Jerusalem coming in and going out, you know, perhaps for the space of maybe, you know, two weeks or so. Some believe. Verse 29 and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he disputed against the Hellenists. You know, those uh, Greek-speaking Jews. Those who had taken on a more worldly embrace. They were Jews, but they had embraced, you know, an upper echelon of life, of living. You know, those of you who went on the trip with us this this past year to Greece, as we looked around, we learned a lot about the Hellenistic Jews who, who you know, uh, uh, were a more worldly uh, uh, Jew. Here, uh, the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he was speaking boldly in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and he disputed against the Hellenist, but they attempted to kill him. Here, here's another batch of people going to kill him. I mean, just how many, how many groups of people you want to make mad? He made people mad whenever he was a sinner wanting to kill Christians. Now he's making people mad because he's not killing Christians and because he's a saint. Are, are y'all following me in this story? This is a pretty good story, isn't it? I mean, we're reading it. I'm, I, I've got this great job. It's the greatest gig I've ever had. I just read it and repeat it, man. Let me tell you, this is amazing. The Bible says that God calls it foolishness, that through the foolishness of preaching, men would be saved. That means that what I'm saying tonight is making a difference in your life. Isn't that silly that I'm vouching for God? Well, well you know, as, as Galatians 1.18 leads us to believe that, you know, that the, the, the Apostle Paul here... Um, you know, he wasn't in Jerusalem very long, but evidently he was really annoying. Okay? <laughs> because these people are really... You know, I guess I could uh, show you what annoying preaching sounds like, if you like. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul was pretty direct. In fact, do you remember the Apostle Paul saying... Well, me and Peter showed up at one place and Peter wouldn't eat with the Christians and I had to rebuke him openly in front of everybody. Okay, whoa, hold on here. Hold your horses here. Rebuking Peter the apostle? Yeah, he did. Have you ever met somebody that could be, you know, honest and, and, and upset you at the same time? Yeah. Evidently, he had that gift. Because almost every place the Apostle Paul went, somebody would kill him. 
Hello? He went to Philippi. They wanted to kill him. He went to Ephesus. They wanted to kill him. He went to, I mean, in Ephesus, he got to stay two whole years before they wanted to kill him. A mob of 25,000 people wanted to tear him apart. And most of them didn't even know why they were there, but they were willing to get a piece of him. He went to Caesarea. He went to Jerusalem. They wanted to kill him. So he went to Caesarea, and, and, and they wanted to kill him. And so he appealed to Caesar, and he goes to Rome. And what they killed him. They cut his head off. Wow. I don't know what to say. You know, verse 29 says, the Hellenists, they attempted to kill Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul. Verse 30, when the brethren, when the apostles at Jerusalem, the church leaders found out, they brought Paul down to Caesarea and they sent him to Tarsus. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, people are trying to kill you, man. Get out of here. You know, are you, you're arguing with everybody. Get out of here. That's, uh, I, I don't know what else to say but to read it and repeat it. They said, leave town, buddy. I love what verse 31 says. The next verse is 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. <laughs> once they got Paul out, once they got that troublemaker out of there, they had some peace. Once they got that person out of there that was kind of flying in everybody's face. Now, this is the Bible. The Bible just tells it like it is, and it tells it for a reason. And we don't, you know, some people make a saint out of Paul. He's just a person. Some people make a saint out of Peter. Paul didn't make a saint out of Peter. Jesus didn't make a saint out of Peter. Don't, please don't misunderstand me, okay? I'm not raining on anybody's prayed or doctrine here. Please forgive me for, for uh, <laughs> don't kill me. <laughs> Don't try to kill me. Somebody make me leave town. Because uh, <laughs> we want peace. I want peace while I'm here. Uh, um, so, you know, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. I like that. The church began to grow with peace. Peace causes things to grow. You know, this has always amused me a little bit. Uh, uh, once Paul stopped irritating the rich people in town, you know, I have a feeling he might have been doing it on purpose, John. <laughs> no. uh, I don't know. It's, sometimes it's pretty easy to point a finger. You know, maybe, maybe not. So, what have we learned this evening? Well, this is what I said we were going to draw some principles from. One of the principles is truth is not determined by a show of hands. How does this account, how does this story tell us that? Well, you know, there were people that were agreeing that, that Saul should be killed, but he shouldn't have been. You know, just because people get together and agree, just because you can find someone that agrees with you, just because you can find 25,000 people that agree with you does not make you right. We have to somehow separate opinion from truth, opinion from fact. Please don't mistake your opinion or your friend's opinion or the crowd's opinion for truth. Okay? The Word of God is truth. Truth is not determined by a show of hands. It's determined by God and God's Word. And we must realize that we just cannot follow the crowd. The loudest person, the first person, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, whatever that's that doesn't determine truth truth is determined by god uh don't mistake opinion for truth 
The second thing we talked about is that some people cause trouble everywhere they go, sinners and saints. There's just some people that just, it seems like almost everywhere they go, people end up not liking them. And some of them are good people. Sometimes even good people, you know, have a gift of pointing out things that people need to change. Some people have a gift of the blatantly obvious. You know, hindsight, that's what I'm gifted with. I'm, I am gifted with hindsight. You know, I have 20-20 hindsight. And I also generally know what you need to do in order to, you know, be better. But I have to wait until you're bad before I can point that out. It's just a necessity. Well, uh, some folks in, in, in their delivery can be quite irritating. You know, and I think it's reasonable to take note. I think it's reasonable for every preacher and teacher, uh, for every school teacher, for everyone who has any you know, a, a, a voice into another person's life, whether it's a, a, a parent or anyone else, to realize that sometimes the truth that you're sharing, you can share it in a way that really causes trouble, causes division, calls for blows. We need to hopefully look at our goal and if we aren't achieving our goal uh, you know I mean it's sad that those fishermen had to throw Jonah had to get the man of God off the boat to have peace it's sad that the apostle Paul had to leave Jerusalem in order for the church to have peace hello okay uh, why does it happen uh, my 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 uh, my end result, you know. Uh, Paul kept getting into trouble and 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 getting his companion, companions in trouble. And his companions got beat up and jailed everywhere they went. You know why? Why? I don't know. Next, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reading the accounts from the Bible. I'm trying to figure this out like you are. Okay. Uh, I've studied it and studied it, and I don't know why people wanted to kill him everywhere he went, but they did. And it, you know, uh, and it wasn't that he was not willing to die. He was willing to die. He was willing to die for what he believed in. But he never did when he had an option. Point three, this is not the day to die. That's one of the things I've drawn from that conclusion. That every time that he had an option, he took the option. Whether it was getting out of town in a basket whether it was, you know, uh, being sent in a boat or carried in the nighttime or appealing to Caesar. Every time he had an option, quit or don't quit, he chose don't quit. He, he chose, you know, let's, let's move to a safer place and let's, let's, you know, continue rather than, you know, choosing the hill to die on out of some bravado or out of some mistaken uh, moment of life. Not every hill is a hill to die on. Today is not the day to die. When it is time, God will let you know. Until then, don't go. Okay? Don't quit. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.